TrueCar.com is changing car buying forever. Yes, every day, TrueCar users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Some features aren't available in all states, but in just the first six months of this year, over 275,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,221 off MSRP. So when you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three easy steps. First, go to TrueCar.com and find out what people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com. You'll see upfront pricing information and you can lock in your savings. Third step is simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Remember, every day, true car users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time. Save money. Never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. Ty Hildenbrand here, Dan Rubenstein, right on over there. SolidVerbal at gmail.com. That is still the email address. Also, when you're watching all the action... This week, 13. Don't forget to call in our reverb line one more time. It's 408-VERBAL-1. That's 408-837-2251. If you don't want to call us, you can always reach out on Twitter or on Facebook or on FanCred or on YouTube. Is there anywhere else I'm missing, Dan? Snapchat? Oh, do we have Snapchat? Uh, I don't. Are you sending photos of her ballers that I'm not aware DPs? of? DPs? Yeah. Um... No, I'm on Snapchat. I've only sent a couple of snaps and they've been like, hey, here's this funny thing that's happening in New York. Um, I've never sent or received a lascivious Snapchat. I feel like I don't know what I do with Snapchat. Like it doesn't fit into my lifestyle at this point. It's really just if you want to send a picture like that you take or a little mini video to a bunch of people at the same time. Yeah. It's probably more convenient than like select going to text, going to text or sending some sort of group text to people that don't want to be on a group text. So eh, it really doesn't have a lot of application for me. No. Well, this is a college football show. We're not yeah. a, a tech show here. Not going to talk any more about Snapchat. Or will we, Ty? Yeah. Or will we? Yeah. Week 13. How do you feel about week 13? <laughs> Yeah, that's how I feel. That's how I feel about week 13. We're going to find fun things to talk about with the games. And otherwise, it's freezing out. I'm glad to be inside speaking with you. But week 13 leaves a lot to be desired. Uh, it is, I think, the calm before the storm of the next two weeks, because yeah. next week is rivalry week. The week after is conference championship week. Mm -hmm. We here at the Solid Verbal are going to be very, very busy. So just yeah. keep in mind that even though this week's slate of games may not be the sexiest, there are a few here and there, given the fact that next week's got a lot riding on it. Mm -hmm. There are a couple games that I found where there might be a little bit of a look ahead factor, something for sure. us to factor in when we're giving our picks here momentarily. Definitely. Do you want to start out with any news before we get into the picks? Yes, please. <laughs> Yeah. 
You didn't make your robot sound. Meow, meow, breaking news, meow. Is that my, I don't know what my robot sound is. Beep, boop, pop, beep, 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 That's a, that's not a robot. That's a, like the wire. The news wire. Okay. The telegraph. So, um. Telegram. So we've got new playoff rankings, Daniel. Yeah. Did you break your own streak of not watching the playoff reveal? Still going strong, Tyler. Still going strong. I'm at four weeks running. I've yet to see this uh, reveal special. We we were broadcasting. We were doing the video right before the show began. And then I felt like eating dinner. So that's what I did. And I don't remember what I watched while eating dinner. Um, but it wasn't that. It was not the, the ESPN show as they're making up rankings and sort of unclear nebulous metrics. Game control. Game control. Game control. Yeah, I like that one. Um, yeah. Here are your top four. We've got Alabama now mm-hmm. at number one by virtue of knocking off Mississippi State. Right. You've got Oregon at number two. You've got Florida State at number three yeah. and Mississippi State down to number four. The next four out are TCU, Ohio State at number six. Yeah. Baylor at number seven. Ole Miss at at number eight. Dan. You look at these rankings. Are there any surprises for you? Are you surprised that Mississippi State's still in the top four? I'm a little bit surprised in Mississippi State at number four, just because much like actually it's been two straight weeks for Florida State's resume, taking a beating with Clemson and Notre Dame consecutive weeks. Yeah. Clemson surviving Wake Forest and then losing to Georgia Tech the way they did. Surely with Deshaun Watson going out, played a big part of it. Uh, and then Notre Dame for Florida State. Uh Losing to Northwestern, as I think everybody is is well apprised of. And the Mississippi State, the combination of LSU and Auburn, which, I mean, and A&M, I guess, losing to Mizzou. Those were the three huge wins for Mississippi State. And again, if there were some sort of trophy that September were, was able to give out as a, a, a human being, if September were a human and could give a trophy to the best division, it had to has to be at the SEC West. Oh, At this totally. point, though, the SEC West is was built for speed and not endurance and not looking so hot. And the SEC East looking better and better. So and I think that's who both LSU and Auburn. No, LSU loses to uh, to Arkansas, but Auburn losing to Georgia. It's just the resumes aren't looking the best. Nothing that they can control, but also it makes them look a little bit worse. Um, TCU. Did not make a strong argument to be in the top four. No, it did not. It did not. Every second to beat Kansas, Ohio State, I would say, has a stronger and stronger argument. Just if you look at who they've beaten and what conditions and how they've beaten them. Um, and uh, and Baylor uh, hanging tough. And they need that Kansas State win to look something like 45 to 17 pretty badly. They do. And it's interesting if you look at the top eight here and try to examine which teams you feel the most confident about in terms of making this playoff. I look at Oregon, uh, you know, I make jokes, Dan. Yeah. I feel like Oregon's an ironclad lock to make it through. I don't think anyone from the Pac-12 South is going to knock them off in the Pac-12 championship game. Obviously, stranger things have happened. You know, I mean, Arizona came to Autzen and was able to knock off the Ducks. I don't, I don't expect that to happen again. So I like Oregon's chances. Florida State, I think, is another lock, probably even more of an ironclad lock. And again, you look at these numbers, you see Florida State at three, you go on Twitter, FSU Twitter, all up in arms. Here is what I would say 
not only to FSU Twitter, but just FSU fans in general. Okay, careful. Actually, I don't care. The seating does not matter at all. All that matters is getting in. All these games are at a neutral site anyway. Yeah, well, I guess if it, if Florida State were at number one, they could play in the Sugar Bowl. Whereas if, well, okay, great. They were if they were they would go to the Rose Bowl, which is farther away. It's still, relatively speaking, a neutral site crowd. Right, they're not going to Starkville or Eugene or something. What matters most is the matchup. You mm-hmm. want a good matchup. I love right now the Knowles over Oregon, if that's the matchup. I think that's a really favorable matchup for Florida State. So I'm not looking so much at the actual ranking as I am right. the potential matchup. Mississippi State, Alabama, neither of those two schools is a lock to get there. Alabama's got a tough game against Auburn. Maybe not as tough as it looked yeah, say. a couple yeah, weeks ago, but still... A skirmish. It's the Iron Bowl. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Mississippi State obviously has Ole Miss. If Ole Miss goes out there and lays the lumber to Mississippi State, how high do they jump? And then you've got teams like TCU. They need to pound their remaining opponents. You've got teams like Baylor, which needs to pound K-State to potentially mm-hmm. jump back over TCU and get their themselves in the conversation. Right. And then there's Ohio State, Dan, yeah. which is just sort of lurking there at number six. If you're Ohio State, you need Wisconsin to win this week against Iowa. You need them to win next week as well to right. clinch that Big Ten West to get to that Big Ten title game. And then you need to throttle Wisconsin. That gives you a shot, a puncher's yeah. chance of making that playoff. Only two teams right now in this top eight that really feel like locks to me. And those are Oregon and Florida State. The rest is sort of up for grabs. Yeah, if you're in that top eight right now, top seven or eight, I don't think Ole Miss has much of a chance. I think it's pretty minuscule given the tiebreakers um, and given the loss to who, who have they lost to? They've lost to, to Auburn and LSU um, given those losses. It's tougher, but nobody wants to play Ole Miss right now. That's, that's a team that's just going to slaughter you physically on defense. Um, and, but yeah, Ohio state and Baylor, I feel like that's a good spot to lurk in with Oregon and still having health issues on offense along the line. Um, with Mississippi State getting an Ole Miss team, with TCU looking disappointing against, and that TCU doesn't have anything left schedule-wise, but um, the the resumes in front of them aren't enormously impressive. Nobody's great. Nobody's sort of invincible at this point. It's a it's a good place to to be waiting in the waiting in the. Uh, I don't know what phrase I'm looking for, but waiting in the wings, I guess, is as close to what I want to say. Lurking in the weeds. Lurking. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to add here on the new playoff rankings? UCLA and Georgia are not the ninth and 10th best teams in the country. We are going to get to that, Dan. Um, We talk a little bit about UCLA. uh, Yeah. I I was just echoing what you said about Ohio State. Hope Wisconsin looks better and better and more impressive and more impressive and controls more of games than ever and gets to the Big Ten championship game, and Ohio State has the opportunity to beat them by 25 or so. All right. The only other news tidbit I have, and it's not college football, but did you see that Harry Styles sent Taylor Swift 1,989 roses? Did he really? No, I did not see that. That's really all I have. Should we get to picking games? I think we should. Dan, time, help. I need picks of the week. It is week 13, Daniel. We did our best to intro it a little bit. Yeah. Didn't do it a whole lot of justice. We've only got five. We've got five like big FBS games on our docket. We'll go through a few more as we progress. And uh, of course, we've got Pat League and a big Lehigh Lafayette game, which I will be at 
at Yankee Stadium. I feel like that adjective does not do it justice. Big tie? Yeah. Astronomical, world-changing, earth-shattering. Come on, do better. I put together a full capsule for Lehigh Lafayette. I hope Very everyone's excited, excited for this. this. Yeah. 7 p.m. on Thursday, Fox Sports 1, where all the fun happens. Mm, fun. West Virginia at home, a two-point favorite over K-State and yeah. Bill Snyder. This is a Chris the Capper pick. He's getting started right out of the shoot here. Let's have a listen. Hey, guys. Chris the Capper here. Tough loss last week. Well, I guess not really that tough loss last week at Nebraska, who just got outplayed basically the entire game after the first couple minutes. Nine and six now on the year for this week. Let's say Kansas State plus two and a half at West Virginia. Just think Kansas State's the better team here. Uh, you know, tough loss a couple weeks ago against TCU, but they're coming off a bye. Uh, should be fresh, should be healthy. West Virginia struggled recently, lost to TCU a couple weeks ago, then got blasted at Texas last week. Uh, also, fun fact, since West Virginia joined the Big 12 two years ago, Kansas State 2-0 and straight up and 2-0 and against the spread. So let's take the Wildcats to win this one outright, 31-24. to 31-24, he's taking the Wildcats over the Mountaineers. A bunch of fun facts yeah. in Chris DeCapper's selection, Dan. Thursday night in Morgantown, just because of that situation, there's a lot to like about West Virginia in that spot, Dan. Yes, there is a lot to like about West Virginia. I like West Virginia. He took Kansas State. He's taking K-State 31-24. <sighs> I, I am taking West Virginia here. I think it's a nice bounce, bounce back game, excuse me, for West Virginia after the loss against Texas. Kansas State not completely sold on going to a, a hostile road environment at night on a Thursday night. So... Things get a little bit weird. Things get a little bit crazy. And obviously West Virginia on a losing streak, but I think they are built to challenge Kansas state and Kansas state's defense with their speed. Kansas state, not fantastic against the run this season. TCU was able to exploit them. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go West Virginia here. I think it's a nice night for Wendell Smallwood and dreamy Smith opens up some play action, couple long plays for West Virginia. I don't think it's terribly high scoring, but I'll say 27-21 West Virginia. Okay. I went back and forth on this one a lot. Yeah, it's a, it, this is probably the highest level game outside of USC-UCLA, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's unfair to say. Possibly Arkansas will miss, but yeah, it's right there. I am going to ride. I'm going to ride. Ride. I'm going to ride with Chris the Capper here. Okay. Fun fact, another one. Mm. Chris the Capper actually in first place, overall first place in our weekly pick 'em pool. And that's impressive. It's that very impressive. impressive. Yeah. What is, what is his percentage? What is he hitting against the spread? How many games over 500? I don't. He? He's like, I think he's got something like 77 wins. The second surest thing in college football picking. That's right. Yeah. There was something else that he said in his call, and I had to edit it out because the audio got a little funny. Okay. What does West Virginia have left in the tank? It's a good point. It, it's a long season. Some teams just run out of gas. It's sort of the Big 12 way. It is the Big 12 way. I made a joke on Twitter about, you know, a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, Kansas. Last year, I think it was last year, Texas Tech. The way the, the Big 12 schedules itself, you get a lot of like weird five and one, six and one, six and oh situations that end in like seven to five, six and six, five and seven. Um, and... West Virginia by 
by math can't do that, but they could end up six and six with losses out of Iowa state and against Kansas state. Oklahoma state is re- is the runaway favorite for that, that trophy this year. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, West Virginia lost a close one to TCU. Then they go mm-hmm. on the road, they get murdered by Texas. And it just reminded me a lot of what happened to LSU after that Bama loss going on yeah. the road, just laying an egg. K-State, I should add, got drilled two weeks ago, Mm -hmm. gave up an uncharacteristic number of big plays. I don't think Bill Snyder lets that happen again. I think this is a close football game. I do like Bill Snyder, old trusty in this one to go on the road and win. Kansas State coming off a bye as well. Kansas State coming off a bye. I am going to agree wholeheartedly with Chris the Capper. I'm not going to make it my lock, but I am also going to say K-State 31-24. That feels about right to me. Yeah, the case against West Virginia as well is body blow game coming off of that Mm. Texas game on the road, really looking flat against a Texas defense that's improved an offense that's improved, particularly on the ground, moving the ball, being physical. I just I'm going to go with the home team on a Thursday night with speed, with the crowd, with energy, with an improved defense. I thought maybe that Texas game could have been a letdown spot after that. The heartbreaking one point loss to TCU. I think West Virginia bounces back, has a nice home night. If you're going to say body blow, you at least got to warn me so I can. I've been slacking on the drops lately. You have. We've been called out. We haven't heard Akbar in a long time. It's funny you should mention Admiral Uh Akbar, Dan. (laughs) 3.30, CBS, Ole Miss, three and a half point road favorites at Arkansas. And while we're here, why not? It's a trap. It's a trap. Now, mm. here is why I say this. I'm gonna, I'm excited to hear this because Arkansas is a legitimately pretty good team now. They are. I mean, they won their first SEC game. They're, like they're on a one-game SEC winning streak. What's not right. to love? Yeah. Egg Bowl's on deck. True. For Ole Miss. It's a chance at redemption for Ole Miss if they could steal one from their in-state rival. Perhaps they're looking ahead here. Perhaps they're thinking more about Mississippi State, less about Arkansas. What do we make of the new look Arkansas? You know, and by new look, again, I mean, they're on a one game SEC winning streak. It's sort of the same team, but they have improved. Oh, leaps and bounds. We, We had an Arkansas fan call into the reverb line last week. He waxed poetic about Arkansas being the best losing team in college football history. Okay. All right. Now, and it, you know, it devolves into how they're being disrespected. They're now five, five and five. Right. I mean, I like the hogs and all, but they can't throw. Right. So, you know, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But what do you make of Arkansas and their chances in a game like this? You know, I think that might actually be too extreme a statement that they can't throw. Brandon Allen is pretty average, but they're not They're They're coaching him. Well, he didn't throw. I don't think he threw any picks against a talented LSU defense and found AJ Derby found Hunter Henry. They, they're not asking him to do too much deep. They're they're sort of formulating the game plan around tight ends and all, their obvious talent at running back with Williams and Collins and their defense as sort of suspect as they've been against the pass. And they are fortunate to play in a conference without a ton of good quarterbacks like there have been in the SEC recently with the loss of McCarron and Murray and Cam Newton and Manziel, all these guys. It's a nice year to be developing a defense. Arkansas is a pretty complete pretty good there. I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. I am optimistic. I am bullish about Arkansas. They're playing and they can play with sort of uh reckless abandon, no real regard for, Oh, do we need style points? Like, no, they're just going to beat the shit out of you and hope for the best. Um, so 
while that is the case, there's still a lot more to like talent wise results wise with Ole Miss at this point. I think that they had, they were one of the teams with nobody last week, right? They, yeah. I mean, they played some sort of FCS Presbyterian, I believe, right? They played a sect. They played a sect, right? Um, so I think Ole Miss is still in a better place. I think there's, you know, the, the Arkansas fans, rightfully, they rushed the field last week. There was, there was every, there was jubilation. I think we could have a letdown spot for the hogs coming off of that win against a, a very talented, albeit beat up Ole Miss team still they're, they're without Denzel Kandice the rest of the year, beat up all over the field on both sides of the ball. Obviously Lo, the Laquan Treadwell thing changes how small that field or how big that field can be. Um, I'm going to go Ole Miss here in a very similar game to what uh, Arkansas did in a losing effort against Alabama or against, uh, against Mississippi state. I'm going to say 17, 13 Ole Miss 17, 13 Ole Miss. And the spread right now is three and a half. So you've, so you've got right the barely to cover right by a Bielema's hair. Yeah, I would <laughs> Bielema's head. Where is it? Oh, that's so nice bird. <laughs> Throw that one in there for all the drop fans. Listening at home. Yeah, like- this is a different game than last week. I, I think. I don't know. For one, LSU was off a huge emotional loss to Alabama, and they were never right. in that game. I, you know, I don't want to throw cold water on Arkansas because I'm happy for right. Arkansas. Absolutely. I'm happy. I want to see them do well. But LSU didn't show up. They couldn't run. They could never pass this season. There is a difference here because I think Ole Miss can throw. Ole Miss can throw. And Arkansas can be yeah. had through the air. Plus, Ole Miss has the defense to shut down Arkansas. They really do. And I'm still not sold on LSU. Even though they've been holding teams down and have been better, I'm just not sold on that defense. Ole Miss is, I think, a class above. My only hang-up here is that look-ahead spot because of the Egg Bowl on deck. Yeah, I don't think it's a huge look ahead spot. I think Ole, the the question is, yeah, does Ole Miss feel like they have something to play for other than the Egg Bowl with they, it, them seemingly yeah. on the outside looking in for the playoff? I feel like they do. I feel like just it, it's it. I don't I don't think they will be lacking for motivation against this Arkansas team, especially given the the sort of bad blood. Thanks, yeah. Houston Nut. Um, yeah. The bad blood at times with coaches with recruits. I think uh, I think it's going to be a fun one. I'm going to go Ole Miss here because they're the better team because you're right. They still do have a lot to play for. Mm -hmm. It's not likely they get into that playoff, but there is an outside shot, right? They're going to win this game. 31, 21. Wow. Okay. 31 points on the Arkansas D, which is some of the metrics have them as high as like 20th in the country. 31, 21. That would make for a fun game. 3:30 Eastern on ESPN, Utah, the Utes playing host, to Arizona. Yeah. They are a four point favorite. Daniel, I am all over Utah here. As am I. We agree. People overlook Utah because it's Utah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to borrow guess, a line, yeah. to borrow a line, my favorite line from my cousin Vinny. What is a Ute? <laughs> Ute. What is a Ute? This is this program is fascinating to me. It's like a poor man's K-State because they're never sexy. They're never colorful. They're usually just really solid as long as you're not counting like their first two years in the Pac-12. Right. Pretty solid of a program. So absolutely. Combine that with Arizona, who I still think is overvalued. 
I think Utah's got a good defensive line. That's probably the difference here. Their defensive line's great. They'll take Arizona out of rhythm. They'll play ball control with Devontae Booker. They win this game 28-23 at altitude in Rice-Eccles Stadium. I might take Arizona to cover because I think it's about a field goal game to me. Uh, not because there's anything I like in particular with Arizona coming off of yet another squeaker victory going on the road to altitude to Utah, getting the defensive line that they get. I'm not crazy about Arizona's offensive line. I like the development of what's his name? Nick Wilson at running back. I knew Solomon has had a very disappointing back half of the season after the huge game against Cal performing well against Oregon through the air and on the ground. Uh, haven't been crazy about him. That UCLA game was a really, really bad scar on his resume this season, but he's a, a freshman. He's a first year guy. I think a redshirt freshman and lumps like that are expected. I just think Utah at this point sees an Arizona team that mind you does get into some backfields of their defense. They've got a lot of speed in that three, three, five Scooby, Wright Is fantastic. And Utah's offensive line while pretty good, uh, run blocking hasn't been good in pass protection. They allow a lot in Travis Wilson and Kendall Thompson when he was healthy really did struggle to go through their progressions because the offensive line was sort of haphazard and unfortunate a lot of the time. But I think Utah is able to ugly this game up. I th- I'm going to say 20 to 17 Utah, which I guess means that I'm taking Arizona to cover. I think it's a field goal game, but I think ultimately Utah is able to bruise Arizona enough coming off of the, the Washington letdown game or yeah, it's a letdown game at Utah coming off of the, uh, the nice dramatic win against Washington. I'm going Utes who are an indigenous people an indigenous people. Yes. I meant not to disrespect any actual Utes listening to the podcast. All right. uh, We're going to take a short break. Why don't we take a short break? Let's do it. How is your energy level, Dan? You know what? Not ideal for me. I feel like you're down a peg. I am. I don't know if it's because I'm sitting on a couch because I'm sitting in my apartment rather than yeah. doing this from the office. Um, I don't know. I think it maybe it's the seasonal affect. It's God dang 29 degrees outside right now. We are going to kick it up a notch in a little bit here. We're going to talk some Dan Rubin. All right. I'm day. taking off my hoodie. This is getting real. You take off your hoodie. In the meantime, I want to remind Arver Ballers that they can help us stay free. Yes. Stay free to download. All you got to do is complete a short anonymous survey. It won't take you longer than five minutes. Your answers will help match our show with advertisers that best fit our sensibilities and your sensibilities. Mm -hmm. If you complete the survey, you're going to be entered into an ongoing monthly raffle. You can win up to what's it say here? A $100? $100 Amazon gift card. I, I know what I could spend that on. Yeah, that's not a bad deal. The other good part about this. No one is getting your email address. We're not going to send it around or sell it off. All you got to do is go to podsurvey.com slash solid dash verbal. That's podsurvey.com slash solid dash verbal. Yeah. Go there. You can take our survey and get a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. And if you do that, we'll be forever grateful. Thank you. I would love that. Also, the hoodie is off. The shoes are now off. Oh, so I'm thinking I'm thinking the airflow ups the energy. I'm going to take a sip of water right now. Are How, you drinking? I am not drinking. No, I got here right from the office. OK, I haven't even had a chance to. Well, I do have the jacket off, but did not sure. take the shoes off quite yet. OK, fair enough. Let's move on. Let's go to three thirty. Mm. We were already at three thirty. Yeah, let's continue to stay at three thirty. Let's continue <laughs> at uh, fifteen hundred thirty. On ABC, Wisconsin, mm. the badges. Is that how you say it with the Wisconsin accent? I feel like Bucky Badger. Yeah. 
Wisconsin, a 10 point road favorite at Iowa. And I should point out that since our YouTube channel's gotten a lot of traffic lately because of the mm-hmm. videos we've been doing on a weekly right. basis, there is a great video on our YouTube channel depicting Wisconsin, Iowa. I believe oh, it's Wisconsin, Iowa as a nature yeah. film, right? Yeah, Kirk Ferentz and Brett Bielema, the the Hakai tribe and the Bajer tribe. Yeah, that's got something like 70,000 views. Warring factions, yeah. I forgot about that. I want to start off this game capsule with uh, an email. Hmm. Congratulations, Skippy. You've got mail. You've got mail. On the solid verbal. This email comes to us from Verballer Nathan. You are drop heavy today and I'm loving it. I brought my A game, man. I know you need it because I am. I'm at a, like a B minus right now. I'm going to turn it around. The hoodie is off. Okay. The airflow is happening. But let's hear what Nathan has to say. He sent a longer email, but I took an excerpt. Yeah. He says, I figured you should understand how important this game is for Iowa fans. Enormous. Saturday's game will be nationally televised on a day with a week slate of games. Mm -hmm. Saturday is a chance to make Black Friday's game against Nebraska for the division title and for Iowa to take back what Wisconsin took from them Mm -hmm. in 2010. He says in all caps, they can matter again. Wisconsin has done an excellent job staying relevant nationally, and Iowa needs to win Saturday for a chance to become somewhat nationally relevant again. A win on Saturday and next Friday means the Hawkeyes are likely playing Ohio State for a Big Ten title. Then they're fully relevant nationally again, beating two bigger name programs. Both rivals en route to Indianapolis gives the Iowa football program a new energy that it desperately needs. Man, that is a well-crafted email. I am pumped up. I'm that's not true at all. That's that's a lie. I am enthusiastic about kind of watching this game. I am, too. And here's why. Okay. The Big Ten West is actually kind of riveting right now. Okay, explain. Wisconsin and Iowa. Yeah. Minnesota and Nebraska. All four teams have a shot at making that title game. This is true. Wisconsin and Minnesota are really the only teams that truly control their own destinies. They play each other next weekend. There is a chance for all four of these teams. And if you go on some of the blogs out there, you can find all about the scenarios but there is a legitimate shot for all four of these teams to advance through to win the Big Ten West and then to end up playing Ohio State in the uh, Big Ten championship game. The good news for Iowa is they've beaten nobody and they lost to one of the, the four teams by 37. <laughs> so get excited. Although I will say this about Iowa. Um, they the the SB Nation podcast that was dedicated to Iowa football from the, the SB nation, Iowa page uh, or community, excuse me, had the best podcast theme song of all time. Oh, uh, black heart, gold pants. Yeah. Shout out. Did the mad men theme yep. with black heart, gold pants, black heart, gold pants, black heart, gold pants, black heart, gold pants. And it was, riveting stuff so that's what i like about iowa i just think that even though everyone knocks the big 10 yeah in the west these aren't bad teams they're not bad teams they're not not like sec football mind you but they're not they're not bad teams these games i think over the next two weeks are going to be pretty entertaining there's a lot on the line right that in and of itself makes it fun to watch and if you're a big 10 fan if you're smart 
If you're smart, you root for Wisconsin to win out and then lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship because that gives you, as a Big Ten fan, probably the best shot of getting a team in the playoffs. There's a chance. There's a chance there if that happens that Ohio State could get in because Wisconsin could, if they went out, meander their way into that top 10, depending on what happens in front of them. There's still a lot of upward mobility there. So there's a shot for Ohio State. Yeah, watch this game. All I hope for is that it's entertaining. It does. These guys don't need to be as talented as, you know, the SEC East, which is looking looking really good now uh, at times or the Pac-12 South. Um, just be entertained. Don't let's not watch a, a 14-13 game where Iowa just has three and a half yards per carry and scores on a play action pass to a tight end. Let's if we can get beyond that, if, if we can get like a 34-30 game in the snow, I think we all be pretty happy. Yeah. Who do you pick here? It's none of your business, Ty. Um, I'm taking Wisconsin here. I think there's more to like about Wisconsin at this point. There is the letdown opportunity. Uh, The fact of the matter with Iowa is they're too inconsistent at this point, even though the game is in Iowa City. I don't think that plays a huge role. The the difference with this Iowa team uh, between this one and and ones that, that have had success when they win the Orange Bowl against Georgia Tech, this Iowa team can't run nearly as well as Iowa teams and Kirk Ferentz teams of years past. Um they're, they're very good against the pass, which doesn't matter against Wisconsin because they're just going to run. And is Iowa at least decent against the run? Not really, not really. And to slow down what Wisconsin wants to do, I feel like you need to be a little bit better in the open field. You need to get more of a push up front. I don't think they have it. I think Melvin Gordon has another nice day, not 408 yards. Nice, but 216 yards. Nice. And I think Wisconsin wins this one like 31, 13 and the undertold story about Wisconsin because of Melvin Gordon is how damn good that defense is. Yeah, which it is. It's very, very good. And I think you're on to something there because the formula for Wisconsin is probably really simple. A give the ball to Melvin Gordon because Iowa Mm -hmm. is just average against the run. And then beyond that, just go out and play defense. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. Yeah. Don't turn the ball over. Sure. That goes without saying. Right. Just go out there and play defense like you've been playing defense. I feel like it does need to be said, though, to Joel Stubb and Tanner McAvoy. Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Iowa's offense 83rd in the nation, according to efficiency metrics. Yeah. Wisconsin's got a really good defense again. I think that's enough to get it done. I like the score a little higher than 31-13. I'm going to say 38-17 in favor of Wisconsin. Okay. I like so the badges. roughly the same spread. Yeah. Eight o'clock on ABC, UCLA. Yes. At home in the Rose Bowl. Three and a half point favorites against USC, Daniel. I only said yes because I enjoy talking about games that are going to be played in warm places. Yeah. For everybody that gets to go. The winner of this game gets the famed victory bell. True. It's the battle for Los Angeles, Dan. Yeah. They'll both be wearing their home colors. When you were a young man growing up in Southern California, what happened on the day that UCLA played USC? Did you have any crazy celebrations, any (laughs) rituals, any superstitions? I don't think so with that game. I remember we always went to a a family friend's place on New Year's Day to watch the Rose Bowl and sort of the end of the, the later morning games. And I remember like a really nice catering, a nice spread for the Rose Bowl, which oftentimes, because this was probably mid to late Cade McNown, that era. Yeah. Uh, 
a lot of exciting games, a lot of fun UCLA teams. USC was sort of down during my formative years and got better when I was in college during those sort of Reggie Bush, Carson Palmer, Lendell White, that whole era. But no, UCLA, USC, I don't feel like was that exciting when I was really getting into football as a little one. When, when you were a little one, mm-hmm. what kind of influences were out there? Were you influenced? Were you urged to root for one of these two teams growing up? No, I not strongly. I liked watching UCLA. I liked UCLA basketball. So I liked UCLA football just because, and you know, you like the blue and gold. I really liked watching Cade McDown. The 1995 UCLA basketball team was the national championship team. Yep. When I was 11 or 12, I guess I was 11 at that time. Cause that I was summer. Eddie birthday. O'Bannon and Tyus Edney. Ed O'Bannon, Tyus Edney, Toby Bailey, J.R. Henderson, yeah. young Charles O'Bannon. Yep. Um, so that was like, that was pretty formative. So I was a little bit into UCLA more than USC growing up, but I, as a college fan, since my dad went to Lafayette and I'm a leopard, a uh, leopard legacy, we just sort of watched whatever, like the big, uh, big game was that way, whether it was ABC, CBS, whether it was an SEC game. Um, it was always, you know, like, Whoa, Nelly was like the thing that always stood out to me. Uh, the Keith Jackson call. So it was like Colorado, Michigan, or you know, I, I actually got into Florida state a lot. Really? Believe it or not. That's yeah, ironic. That was, believe it or not. It was because it was just when you're watching national games and just sort of only national games, you sort of just gravitate towards players you like watching and the the sort of the the Peter Bulware, Charlie Ward. Oh, yeah. Uh, Peter Warwick. Yeah. Um, all of those teams just like they're faster than everybody. And it's really fun to watch. They so. were fantastic in the early to mid 90s Florida State. Oh, yeah. So that whole era that was sort of defined by just me watching whatever big game my dad was watching. All right. Well, we're going to get more into Dan Rubenstein here. <laughs> Good. I'm glad, but we should get into USC UCLA. One thing we should mention about this game. Yeah. Everyone talks about Brett Hundley. Mm-hmm. Nobody is talking about Cody Kessler more and more, but you're correct. 29 touchdown passes, just three interceptions. Extraordinary. He has been outstanding. He's improved throughout the course of the season and he is continuing to play really really well down the stretch that's why i like usc okay i like usc here because with a win and an arizona state loss either this week or next doesn't matter when asc would lose right usc would win the south they'd get a crack at oregon they are conveniently getting josh shaw back for this game is i don't know if he's gonna is he gonna play in this game i know he went through walkthroughs yeah um, i don't know I yeah. don't know. We probably should research this, but he could no, be back for this game. No, nobody knows at this point. He could be back. Yeah. And if he's back, he'll help the defense. Otherwise, USC still has a solid, balanced attack. They're not great. They have depth issues, blah, blah, blah. I like USC here. Upset, in the making, rivalry game. UCLA's won the last two. It gives USC a lot of reason to try and go out there and put its best foot forward. Yeah, I think that the line is really low. I think UCLA is probably 10, 11 points better than USC at this point. Really? USC, mind you, the depth to play with a team as talented as UCLA. U- USC has jumped on teams that just don't have the type of talent that USC does. Um, one, two, three deep, whatever. It doesn't matter. So a, a more tired USC has been able to overcome. They they sort of slow down pretty quickly after sort of the middle of the second quarter against Cal. Um they needed a last second shanked field goal by Arizona on the road. And this is going back into October. They lose to Utah. They don't, it's just the the theme of 
not having gas by the end of the game we've seen over and over again with this USC team. Cody Kessler is fantastic, although he has put up the majority of his impressive numbers against non-winning teams, which is whatever. Uh, You can only play again. The people that are on your schedule, he was even good against Boston College in that loss. Um, And UCLA, of late, and they haven't been great over the course of the year. And I I was listening to Shutdown Fullcast, and I'm like, is Memphis their best out-of-conference win at this point? It might be. It might be. Um, but of, of late, uh, UCLA's defense looked fantastic against Arizona's offense. Uh, I was in LA, I believe they, they laid the wood, although they gave up some late against Washington. I thought they looked really good. Um, but then you look back one more week and like, Oh, double overtime against Colorado. So I, I think UCLA is going to be able to separate themselves from USC. I think USC is going to struggle to put together four quarters They will eventually be better once the depth issues have been rectified. UCLA, 34, USC, 24. 34-24. Brett Hundley plays up to better opponents. He and Jordan Payton have a nice connection, and I really enjoy that they've developed Paul Perkins into one of the better running backs in the conference. And uh, even though Nelson Aguilar gets a majority of the offensive skill attention for USC, Buck Allen, Javorius Allen, he has been quietly very good when his offensive line has performed, of course, they're down one of their, at least one of their starters to a season ending injury with Chad Wheeler. So um, there are pieces to like, I just don't think over the course of four quarters, Sark is better or is good enough to beat UCLA. I'm not a big UCLA fan. Neither am I. I, I still don't know where to place them, but um, I'm going to go USC here. Rivalry game. Okay. Sark Vember. <laughs> I don't, that doesn't work. Is for that me. a thing? That does not work for me. Okay. Uh, I mean, Steve Vember, Steve Vember. Yeah, you could do that. So you're, you're, you're looking at this as a positive Steve Vember. Sure. As opposed to a negative Sarktober. That's right. Okay. Just making sure things change like that as soon as the calendar shifts. Okay. Fair enough. What other games are on your radar? Those are the big five that we have. Other than those games, Alabama has Western Carolina. So that's a challenge. Mississippi state has Vandy, Indiana, Ohio state. I really don't see Indiana being able to make this a shootout with Tevin Coleman um, Rutgers, Michigan state Rutgers have, has struggled since starting four and one, five and one, whatever they were um, could, could be some offense in that game, Washington state, Arizona state. I'm a little bit curious about that game because Washington state, even without Connor Halliday, they beat Oregon state a couple weeks ago, perhaps, you know, that was on the road. Perhaps they, they caused some trouble against an Arizona state team that struggled last week themselves against Oregon state. Um, Mizzou, Tennessee, Missouri, of course, controlling their own destiny, going to a much improved Tennessee team with Josh Dobbs. This team is rounding into shape. This team is getting very, very good. They beat South Carolina. They beat Kentucky. They beat Kentucky handily. Um, they, they sort of hung with Alabama's second half of that game and improved over the course of that game. If we're going to look for a silver lining there, sure. Not a good showing against Ole Miss, but this Tennessee team, I think could be more and more fun to watch as the, the very back end of the season is upon us. Um, and then let's see, we've got Minnesota, Nebraska, which I guess is technically a double top 25 matchup because Minnesota remained at number 25 in the playoff rankings. Minnesota is a team that I don't think anybody has a ton of fun playing because they can control the ball and their defense is good enough to make you unhappy. Nebraska could have a, I don't even know if it's body blow or let down after that Wisconsin game, but I guess it could be fun. It obviously has division implications. And of course, Louisville, Notre Dame. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a great reaction from you. Yeah, 
Any any thoughts going into that game? Louisville, of course, turning teams over at, a, at an alarmingly efficient. That's clip. awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. Might have the best safety in the country. I can't wait. I can't wait. A team that turns their opponents over as much as Louisville does. Yeah. Against a team Without that is starting quarterback. Yeah, a team that is so eager to give the ball to opponents as Notre yeah. Dame is. Everett Golson's dealing with a bit of an AC sprain in his throwing shoulder. He's going to play in that game. Right. But still, Notre Dame, I feel, is is and people are gonna laugh at me. I know it. They're they're better than what they showed last week. They've gotta be. Um, I'd love to believe that Notre Dame wins this one by like 14 points, but I am so mixed up on the Irish right now. Okay. That I'm, I'm even having difficulty talking about it right now. Like I'm really happy that I'm going to see Lafayette and Lehigh in Yankee stadium, because if I weren't, I'd have to actually watch this game and I'd be drawn to it. I'd have to pay attention to it. And I just don't want to after last week, Dan. Okay. I I don't want to, but what are we thinking? Notre Dame wins by 13. Okay. Notre Dame wins by 13. I think you're going to see a lot of play action against this Notre Dame team, but mm. uh, what's the name of the linebacker who's out for the, the season? Joe Schmidt. Yeah. I think that's going to be affecting for Notre Dame against. It's been against affecting. Football. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It has been. Oh, I wanted to introduce something new this week. Yeah, please. I, I discussed this when Ryan you know, did a, did a very good job in your stead when you were down in Mexico. Um, we sort of developed the fajita game. So the fajita game is the game that you don't anticipate wanting to watch. You never really go into a Mexican restaurant thinking I'm getting fajitas. But then when the fajitas walk by, you're like, damn it. Should have gotten that. Which game do you not anticipate liking? But perhaps when it rolls around, you could see it being like 28, 27 with four minutes left. Like, oh, let's let's do that. You're talking about this week? That's the sound of the fajitas. This week. This week. So it's basically... A game that you could see being entertaining, though we don't foresee it as being meaningful enough to deep dive. Like for me, it could be the big game, Stanford Cal. Yeah. Because Cal's defense is bad enough that Stanford could move the ball and you have a good Cal offense going against a good Stanford. I think you could have a good back and forth. I think Missouri, Tennessee is probably the answer. Missouri, Tennessee is the I one think that that's jumps the off the page. Game. Yeah, that's I think the that's one that the jumps game. off the page. Right. SEC East, there's no division implications. There's no conference implications. But I guess, no, there is conference implications because if Missouri wins out, they're going to the championship game. But that's, you don't look at that game like Maddie Mock, Tennessee's defense. Like, well, who cares? Let's watch something else. But I think that's the fajita game. Boston College, Florida State. Ooh. Boston College jumps out to a 17-3 lead last year. Yep. I think they scored more points than anybody over the course of the season against Florida State. They scored like 34 Boston College, Florida State, not because I honestly believe Boston College can win. Right. But because Florida State has started slowly in a number of its games, it's not out of the question right. that Boston College could jump out to a little bit of a lead, maybe even lead at halftime. They, they're very direct with what they want to do. And then we're back to square one again with Florida State with them having to come back in the second half. I don't think that happens, but right. maybe a little bit of a, tss, a little bit of a light sizzle there. True. On those fajitas. Could happen. Close game against Clemson. They beat a, a pretty bad but improving NC State. They beat USC. Um, they take down the main Black Bears. Uh, they beat Virginia Tech. They scored 33 against a good Virginia Tech defense. Virginia Tech's offense isn't that good, but there are 
signs to think Boston College can do enough right to make this a game than perhaps longer than, I don't know, what's the spread in this game? Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I have it in front of me. If you will just, it's uh, Florida State minus 19 in Tallahassee. Oh, there it is. Yep. Um, I it, it would not surprise me at all to, to see a final score of like 27-20, 31-23, 31-17 and see Boston College cover just because they are able to run the ball. They are all able to hold on. They're good against the run and Florida State's not going to try to run all that much, but teams that are generally good against the run tend to tackle well in the open field. So I'm just putting it out there. I put it out there last year, last week with uh, Oregon State and we both did with Oregon State, Arizona State. Yeah. Florida State's on a very different plane than Arizona State, but could be a Florida State letdown spot after coming back, beating Miami on the road. You don't, you never know. I'm just saying, I respect your fajita choice there. All right. Um, I believe it's uh, time to play some music. Ty, I'm going to ask a favor of you. Please. I'm going to need you to place your finger on a place where you can drop that big, nasty, sweaty, convulsing, convulsing. pert, supple drum and fife. Ty, I've been talking about the Patriot League all season long. We pointed to the November 7th matchup between the Bucknell Bison, 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 not Bison, the Bison. bison. And the Fordham Rams, of course, the class of the Patriot League, the class of New York City football, nay, the class of East Coast football, Ty. I'm going that far. The Eastern Seaboard is a Fordham Seaboard. You mm. heard it here first. Yeah. Um, you never really hear the word seaboard that much other than the Eastern I, Seaboard. Yeah. You never hear the, about the Western Seaboard. The Pacific Seaboard? No, not you, really. I really don't feel like the Gulf of Mexico. You just ah, Eastern Seaboard really owns the seaboards. But I digress. The Pat League has its one true weekend Fordham and Bucknell own Friday night but this weekend is headlined by something that we're going to get to momentarily but Fordham has an FBS team an army yeah this is a this is a battle for the state of New York West Point of course in upstate New York Fordham New York City's one true team I think Fordham actually they struggle against Villanova a team that is at a at a better place right now football wise but Fordham is is something to me, Ty. Fordham is special. I think Fordham, I think the Rams take this one over Army. Yeah, I agree. 27-21. This is a 3-7 and seven Army team. This is a 500 team at home. I think Fordham goes to West Point and takes this. I talked to a gentleman this week who used to play football at Army. Oh, okay. I asked him about the Fordham game. I said, yeah. what's going to happen when you play Fordham? Fordham's pretty good. They've got to be terrified. Yeah, they've got uh, they've got a good offense. They've got a, a great running back. Yep. Chase Edmonds. What's going to happen here? And he it's said, "It's a TV game too." It's a TV game. He said, "The problem right now with Army is that their fundamentals are just brutally awful." Yeah, real bad. When you're playing a team like Fordham that scores as many points as they do, you need to be fundamentally sound. So I'm going to go Fordham outright as well. Ty, I've been breaking down the Army tape, and I do not like what I see. No, me neither. Colgate, the Gators, traveling to play the Bison. Bucknell hosting Colgate, hosting yep. the Gators. I think Bucknell still very, very good, very talented among the class of the Pat League. I think Colgate's a bunch of frauds, Ty. I've said it once, I've said it twice, probably said it about seven times, and I have no idea what I'm talking about. So that's why you got to trust me when I say Bucknell rolls the Gators. I'm going Bucknell as well. Yeah, I feel like it has to be there. Yeah, Bucknell, I think, um, you know, hard fought 
end to Bucknell's season, but I'm going to go with the uh, the Bison here as well. Holy Cross traveling to Georgetown, a 2-8 and eight Hoyas team, of course, supporters of the live Bulldog, but Holy Cross, 2-3 and three in the Pat League, Georgetown still winless. I think Holy Cross, as much of a joke as they are nationally, internationally at this point, you have to say, I think Holy Cross goes to Georgetown and takes this one. I'm going to go Georgetown at home. You are you are disagreeing with my my Pat League pick? I'm going with uh, Georgetown. Yes, like some sort of fool. Yep. Ty, we've now it. we've now arrived at the sacred place that Holy Cross, but dreams of occupying in our hearts. The most important rivalry. Yes. I'm going to cut the music. College athletics. I'm cutting the music. College, just in general. Yeah. Possibly the most important rivalry in the world. Lehigh Lafayette. Both of these teams come in with losing records, of course, equal records in the Patriot League. Lafayette getting it done in the non-conference. They're the sort of Baylor, I would say, the Patriot League, the way they schedule. But you know what? You got to do what you got to do at a certain point. And Lafayette is shrewd. I say that as a leopard legacy. Yes. You're going to be at this game. This game is in the South Bronx. This game is at Yankee Stadium. It is the Fordham turf. Yes, it is at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. It's on CBS Sports Network. Double header. Double header. There are a lot of games going on at 3.30, but if you really have no rooting interest in any of those, you can watch this one on CBSN. Or if you just want the best game to watch. Again, it's the 150th meeting of these two teams. Mm -hmm. They are lighting up the Empire State Building this weekend, Dan. Is that true? That is true. I posted an article on Twitter about it. What, What are they lighting it up as? It didn't say in the article, but it talked about this elaborate application process that started months in advance to light up the Empire State Building. Love it. We also received a message a while back on Facebook. I did notice, by the way, that both of these teams have italicized L's as logos. Yeah. So maybe if you just throw up like a white italicized L, both both squads will think it's for them. I couldn't find a line on this game. They do have lines on some select FCS matchups. Right. I could not find a line on this game, so I decided I'm making my own. Okay. And and by proxy of the results that we've seen thus far, what is your line? My line is three and a half. Four. In favor of Lafayette. Okay. Why is that? This game actually feels a lot like Utah against Arizona this week. I agree. That's what I've been thinking all week. I did a lot of research on this game. <laughs> okay. Should be a pretty good game. Okay. I, I tend to agree. Lafayette has lost three of four, but Lehigh hasn't been, hasn't been, they've been a slouch themselves. I think they haven't won two in a row all season long. They opened up losing five. So it's hard to gauge where the momentum truly is. Across the board, Lehigh's got a better offense. Way better offense than Lafayette. But across okay. the board, Lafayette's got a better defense. They than play Lehigh. they play football on fields, not on boards, Ty. Exactly. I don't know what that means. That was great. Thank you. Both of these teams, despite their losses, were pretty much in every game this season, save True. for a few here and there. So I don't think either team's getting blown out. I have developed two keys for each team. Okay. In true easy call style. I don't have any fancy dishes in front of me, but I do have two right. two keys for each team. Okay. If you're Lehigh, be aggressive defensively. Mm. You've got the worst defense in the Pat League. It's yeah, not even close. Bad. Horrible defense. Yeah. But Lafayette's got some trouble protecting the quarterback. So we've been saying all season long. They gave up seven sacks in that Bucknell game that was on two Friday nights or three Friday nights ago. 
Atrocious. They're like UCLA. Yes. They've got to start a backup quarterback because their starter is dealing with injuries. Mm-hmm. It's a big spot for a sophomore quarterback, a fill-in. You can rattle him if you dial up the blitz Jesse Palmer style. Sure. Got to be aggressive. And secondly, get up early. Get up early on Lafayette because the Leps do not have a high-powered offense. They'd be more than happy to give the ball to their running back like 25 times to take the air out of the ball. Score early, make them pass. Right. Make the sophomore prove that he can beat you. If you're Lafayette, you want to do two things. You want to control the clock because the Leopards are last in the Pat League in time of possession. I don't and, care about time of possession, Ty. It's a meaningless stat. They play hurry up. Well, whatever. They're scoring quickly. I mean, when they're, they're not score. scoring quickly, I've they're seen the stats. scoring quickly or giving the ball back pretty quickly. They're moving quickly. Lehigh's got a really good offense. Play Burt Bielema style. Okay. Take the air out of the ball. And win on first and second down. Lehigh's near the bottom of the league on third down conversions, just 28%. Yeah. Stop them on first and second down. Get a few stops. Turn them over. Give your offense control of the ball and continue taking the air out of that. All right. That's fair. I added italicized L's. You added research. I'm going to go Lehigh 27-24 on a late field goal. I disagree. Lafayette takes this one 31-20. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to the game going to be there if anyone's going to be in town again shout ty's name out as you're walking the concourses as you're walking around oh, the God. parking lot just shout ty hildenbrandt solid verbal gonna be weird if i hear that no it won't you deserve it dan let's dive deep <laughs> okay here's what i'm gonna do right now i'm sitting back on my couch i was leaning yeah. forward can you still hear me i can hear you okay you can hear me loud and clear i'm gonna sit back and i'm just holding the mic i'm, I'm kicking back yeah. and i'm just Whatever you need to know. You put, explain what we're doing here. So last week, last Wednesday, mm-hmm. on a whim, you decided to post on our Facebook page that you were looking for questions about Ty. Yeah. Then when we I felt like I've exhausted how many questions I can ask you about your personal life. And if we've learned anything, it's that our, our, the, the verbalers are smarter than we are. Absolutely. So let's lean on them. So. This week, we're going to switch things around. You asked me all those questions on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. This week, we're going to do a little bit of a, of a deep drill here. I want to examine Dan Rubenstein, the man. I'm not interested in you drilling me, but continue. I don't know how many food questions <laughs> I'm going to ask because everyone already talks about food with you. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of food, but do what you got to do. I don't know how many college football questions I'm going to ask. I want to get to Fine. the soul. Let's do it. So here's a bit of a combo question. We'll start off nice and easy. This yeah. one came to us from both Curtis and Drew on the Facebook page. They want to know if you like the East Coast or West Coast more. Mm. And regardless, which is your favorite thing about each coast? Uh, Weather and family would be my favorite thing about the West Coast, family and friends. Um, And I I like the food a lot, but the food is sort of it's pretty similar. You can find good Mexican food in New York. It's just enjoying fish tacos on the beach on the Pacific Ocean is a little bit better than enjoying it deep into Brooklyn. But Uh, the thing I enjoy the most about the the Northeast and specifically New York City is not driving, not parking. I drive and I park perfectly, acceptably, I guess. Um, I just like the idea of like, you want to go out and drink? Just take a train home. You want to watch a TV show on your way home from work? Can't do that behind the wheel of a car. Right. I mean, I guess certain people do do that, but um, it's not advisable. The, the social factor of not being as isolated walking around the city, whereas like I didn't really walk around L.A. that much. I think that that is a lifestyle change that I really do like. So which do you like more? Um, 
my heart is on the West Coast. Okay. So I'll say that. But I I have no plans of leaving New York. I enjoy it a lot. Why did you choose to go to Oregon? Just out of curiosity. Mm. Instead of going to a Southern California school, we had a question here from Josh. Yeah. There are a lot of good schools in Southern California where all over the state. Yeah. All over the state. People on the East Coast on the Eastern Seaboard, as it's sometimes known. Yeah. People look at schools like USC and UCLA and say, man, I, I wish I could go there because it looks so nice. You live there. Why did you not stay there? Wanted to stay on the West Coast. Wanted to leave L.A. Wanted a college experience. Wanted to live somewhere different enough from L.A. where I could look back and not say like, oh, well, I went to high school with, you know, these 45 people and now I'm going to college with these 45 people. There was something that I wanted to sort of blaze my own trail, do something different, see a different part of the country. Um, Oregon, good journalism. Um, it was a good size school. I really liked the campus a lot. I liked the professors I talked to when I visited. Unfortunately, I think I visited in like May. Yeah. Like there's, there are very few places that are prettier than Eugene, Oregon in it, May. Just, Mama Rubenstein told that story on our, yeah. on our mother's edition. So not fully representative, but it was, it was one of those things where I considered schools in California, considered schools on the East coast and in between, but ultimately I, th- I felt the good compromise was this is an interesting place that is different. And I like the people. Everybody seems nice. Uh, I really like the, the journalism, the broadcast journalism program, uh, and the electronic media, as they call it at Oregon. Right. Right. And it was still on the West coast. So it was still like a two hour flight home. And I was like, that's a good, a good in between. And I'm very happy I did it. Where else were, where else did you take your official visits? Um, I looked at USC, which I actually considered transferring back to. I wasn't super pumped really? at the beginning of my Oregon career. This is true. Consider transferring to USC. Um, I liked, let's see, for broadcast, Arizona State, Washington. Um, I got into the Syracuse broadcasting program, whatever yeah. that's called. It's we could have been house. Yeah. New house. We could have been potential, uh, potential classmates. That's true. My friend Braden went to Syracuse. He was on the, it's a very Southern California name. Braden went to Syracuse for a year and transfer. Oh no. Did he, was he the one that went to Syracuse or the other? Somebody from my high school went to Syracuse for a year and really did not like it and moved back. And I was like, that's a thing that I, that's not a positive thing. And he was like, yeah, it's cold as hell. I was like, Hmm, mm, I'm good. So ended up not going to Syracuse, not even looking at Syracuse. I'm trying to remember what else I considered. Um, I actually did because of my very limited success that there was a little bit of success on the tennis court in high school. I considered going down that path and looking at and, yeah. and heard from a couple of people, small like D three type schools, right? Right. but really did not want to go to like tiny, tiny schools. I really didn't want to like spend all my time playing like doubles. I don't know. It didn't appeal to me. Right. Right. So you mentioned you had considered maybe coming back to USC and I know you said, mm-hmm on either our video show or another show about you had a rough first year because of a, oh, a yeah. cross country breakup. Oh yeah. How did that go down? Oof, a high school girlfriend. So yeah. if we have any, if we have any verballers that are in their high school years, yeah. Uh, don't stay together with your high school boyfriend or girlfriend, especially if they're going to school 3000 miles away. So we made that mistake and God, it went down pretty quickly. There was like some sort of, parent thing. Did you see it coming? Um, not, 
specifically. So what my, like the beginning of my college time was a really weird time because nine 11 happened. Oh, right. So instead yeah. of flying up with all my stuff, I took a train from Southern California to Oregon. And if people don't realize how big the West coast is, it was like the better part of a 30 hour with stops and everything train ride. So like everything was just pretty screwy. And she went to, she was on the, the, what's it called? The semester. I was on the quarter. So she was there. I was sitting at home and then I went to school and they tell parents of like in the, the, what's it called? When you go to school that first, what's the big thing where they sit everybody down? Orientation. Orientation. Right. So like in a parents only one, they were like, yeah, they're, they, these relationships are probably not going to last until Thanksgiving. Okay. Yup. That was the case. And I, you know, what are, what are you going to do? It's two idiot 17 year olds across the country, but, uh, didn't work out. Fell deep into my emo phase. Yeah. Had my first radio show. What a fallout boy. What was, what was that emo phase oh, like? Much, much more emo than fallout boy. It was, you're talking saves the day brand new. And I know we have a question about brand new. Oh yeah. I'm going to go there next. Saves the day. Brand new alkaline trio dashboard confessional. Wow. All the vagrant drive through, uh, taking back Sunday, the movie life, uh, starting, you know, all those bands it was, and I was walking around campus tie. Yeah. With a disc man. Oh, so the 10 second anti skip was, it's a big part of my life. How many times would you say in your life you've listened to screaming infidelities by dashboard confession? Oh my God. <laughs> I had a, I had a, um, with my now long ex high school girlfriend had a, um, like an emo quote battle yeah. over AOL instant messenger. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure either you or you knew people over AOL instant messenger that had like band quotes in their profile or their away messages. I totally on occasion me. would do that. Yeah. Totally me. Yeah. Just like a, a very deep lyric that was going to be pointed and angry. <laughs> just like I'm an idiot. Well, you know, a lot of freshmen go through that. Oh, and by the way, she's now, I, I haven't spoken to her and since like that had happened and there's no ill will, whatever. Yeah. Um, she's now married to a college professor of hers. Wow. Yeah. So college worked out, I guess. Yeah. Hey, okay. Go. She went to Vassar. I know where Vassar's at. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been. It's Poughkeepsie. Yep. Shout out to Dan Seifert from The Verge, who is in Poughkeepsie. There you go. Um, Yeah. We've got a bunch of questions here. Oh, yeah. Hit me. I, but I do want to ask this. We did get a question from a gentleman named Stockton Bullet, who, if he isn't already, needs to be CEO of some large Fortune 500 company. Okay. With a name like Stockton. Definitely. He wants to know what the heaviest weight is you've ever mm. been. Did you put on the freshman 15 after that whole ordeal? Did you lose weight? Ooh. And when you were at your peak plumpness, what was your weight? It's a great question, Ty. I lost the weight. I, I was one of those people that like didn't feel like eating, didn't feel like it was just mopey, whatever. I probably took off 10 pounds. Yeah. I would say put them back on at the end of freshman year, whatever, got healthier. And then throughout college, because it got cold, I wasn't really into working out. I was super into chili and bread bowls, <laughs> <laughs> put bread bowls in italics and caps. Yeah. Um, I'm right now, I hover right around, so right now I hover right around 168, 167, 169, 171, depends what, what happens. Um, my heaviest I think I've ever been probably came in the middle of college. <sighs> if I, let's see, I'm trying to come up with maybe 190. Yeah. 
So probably about a good 22 pounds heavier. I would say probably 190 was, was defensive where I maxed tackle. out. Yeah. 190, 191. Yeah. That okay. was one of those things. Like as soon as I saw the nine on the scale, I was like, whoops. Yeah. Whoops. Let's, well, of course, you're a very, you're a very svelte gentleman now. Yeah. We do have a question from Prince mm. who wants to know is if it, Is it actually Prince? Prince Soiree. Oh, okay. It's not Prince of Prince in the, the Revolution. No, 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 no. Okay. Not the recording artist. Okay. Prince Soiree. Soiree I'm going to pretend it's, it's the real Prince. Asking, the real Prince so you know. asked the question yeah. about your hair. Mm. Now, his specific question is whether or not you've ever frosted your tips. No, this it's I'm assuming I'm assuming the answer tips. is no. I can't form tips. I have poof. I am right. So I am going to take that question and spin it a little differently. Please. What kinds of hair decisions have you made over the course of your life? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I went early on. I went with the wave in the front, like early on, like fourth grade, something like yeah. that. The one that we saw on the uh, YouTube videos. Yes. High school. I over gelled. And just like wore like a backwards, you know, baseball hat sometimes to, to high school. College, I let the poof go and I got rid of all of the product. The past, probably only the past like year and a half, two years, I've gone back to just like a tiny bit of product just to sort of help to manage the poof. But if you've, if you've seen what I look like, yeah, you can imagine it's, it takes a, it takes a village. It, it takes doesn't a village. just take a dab. Yeah. So so I really I haven't changed the color of my hair. I let it grow out in college and have like a full on Jufro. Yeah. But now I just sort of get it cut every five or so weeks. Jason asked, as a man who lives alone, mm. do you ever enjoy walking around your apartment naked? Scandalous. Do you um, lay down a towel before sitting on the couch? I did at my old apartment because it was on the top floor and there was not an apartment building right next to mine. So you couldn't see in. Right. Now I'm not on the top floor and I have not put up blinds in my living room or kitchen. It's I like the natural light, whatever. And I don't care about the privacy. I probably should. Yeah. But I do not. I do not go into my living room and kitchen sans clothing. But my my bedroom. I, I mean, does doesn't everybody in their bedroom? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ashamed. Let's uh, let's continue with some funnier <laughs> questions here, please. Taylor wants to know. This is a great question. If you're performing a heist, mm. what role do you play in the crew? Are you the driver, the muscle, the hacker, the inside man, etc.? And why? Also, what would you be stealing, Dan? We've actually talked about this. Have we? Something of this ilk. Right. Has been mentioned on the show before. Where where do you see yourself fitting in in a potential like Ocean's 11 or Fast 6 or 7 style heist? Unless it's a heist determined to download like Mindy project episodes illegally, which is tech, which is stealing. Right. Um, I'm not sure I'm, I'm the right person to do anything that dangerous, but I thought about this. I think I'd make for a great, I don't know if this is the inside man part of the question. I think I'd make for a good caser. Yeah. I feel like I could case the joint really well. Like there's, there's three elevator operators. The guy Gil takes a break every day at seven 15. He goes and he gets a Snickers ice cream bar. That's when, so I feel like I, I noticed the ticks. I, I think I'm very observant. I noticed the ticks and mannerisms of people to a degree that is superior to most people. I don't know if that comes off as me being a braggart. 
right. just feel like I have that that ability. So if it if, if it were like a casino heist, I feel like I would notice the bellhops, the dealers, the pit bosses. I feel like I'm I would get a really good sense for their rhythms and could report back and do a great voiceover if it were a movie. I also see you as like a Scott Con type in Ocean's Eleven. Where like he's arguing. With, yeah, you'd be a good distractor if you had diversion. To. You're a good talker. You could sure. cause a scene if you needed to. I think, yeah, I could charm people. I feel like I could do that. I don't feel like I am the star in this heist, but I'm a good key supporting player where I could get attention away from where we would want it. What What is it you'd want to steal in a situation? A great like question. That? I don't know. I I probably just cash. Cash. <laughs> Probably that's my answer for wedding cash? gifts and heists. Cold hard cash, straight Just cash, homie. Up. I I wouldn't want to like knock over a uh, like a convenience store. Right. I would want some degree. I would I would love to repel from something reasonable, nothing too high. I would like love to come down. Yeah, you know the the sort of the laser the laser security systems from entrapment. Sure. The ones that don't exist in real museums. Right. I would, I would be happy to put off the, the sort of the smoke, the fog to reveal them. I just wouldn't want to crawl over. Okay. We're going to go, uh, two more questions here. Cause we're running right. short on time. What do you got? I need your power ranking of Reginald Val Johnson vehicles. <laughs> We've got here as options, die hard family matters, ghostbusters and crocodile Dundee. In terms of what they've meant to me, I'm looking at this list. Repeat the list. Die Hard, Family Matters, Ghostbusters, and Crocodile Dundee. In terms of things that have meant the most to me, my order is Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Family Matters, Die Hard, Crocodile Dundee. Okay. I haven't seen Die Hard in a long time. I probably would like it a lot more if I watched it now, but I like Die Hard a lot. Just Family Matters is, you know, right in that formative zone. Formative. Ryan yeah. asks, what's your favorite sports team or teams outside college football? Hmm, That's a good question. My favorite single athlete of all time is Pete Sampras, but he wasn't on a team. Um, my favorite sports team outside of college football. I guess the one I've watched the most has been the Lakers. Yeah. You're a but Dodgers fan too, right? I'm a Dodgers fan too. West Coast sports are just hard for me. I like going to bed at a sensible hour and yeah. those games start as I'm sort of winding my day down. Okay. What is your opinion of uniforms that don't put players names on the back or put the team name or another phrase on everyone's jersey? I don't mind the no name on the back. I think the sort of like we're a team. It's not about the players names like that's sort of dumb. It's okay to sort of be proud of who you are and what you accomplish for your team and have your name on the back. I don't like the whole like honor, excellence, yeah. courage, Minnesota, Minnesota. That to me, it's just, I don't know. That's that feel. That's the, that's the true gimmick offense of college football. Finally, we'll close out with this one. Hmm. From at maybe a crook on Twitter. Mm, okay. What would be the saddest thing to wake up to and be allergic to tomorrow? <sighs> um, That's deep. Because he mentioned an avocado allergy. Yes. See, we read Twitter. Um, I would, even though I don't eat a ton of bread, if I, if I were to wake up tomorrow with celiac, mm. with a true gluten allergy, not none of this like hokum gluten allergy like a real that would be very that would be tough for me um 
I'm trying to think of what I eat the most and it's probably some sort of gluten product. Um, other than that, I could, I could get by if I had some sort of chocolate allergy or something like that. I'm not addicted to sugar. Um, you could still do corn tortillas with a gluten allergy. So that makes it work a little bit. Um, our, uh, our dear friend, Andy wall. Do you remember Andy? Yeah, of course. Her, her terrific husband, Brian has a later in life developed, uh, like he, he can't break down the enzyme that's in most meats of any kind. Huh? Like it developed when he was like 19. That'd be very difficult for me. Yeah. A meat a hard allergy is, it, it covers so much. And not mm. that I, you know, I, I am perfectly happy eating falafel or eggplant parm or whatever, but man, sometimes you just That'd need some meat. Um, a seafood allergy is, is pretty tough as well, yeah. but I feel like I could get by the meat thing is that. Yeah. Shout out to Brian Jones. Awesome dude. But man, that's tough. That's a tough one. All right. Well, I was only able to cover a fraction of these. Yeah. Should I answer the rest of these on Facebook? If you'd like to. Sure. Yeah. I'll jump on there. Go ahead. This is about as much as we can cover. I yeah. got a little too deep into your college no, life, but I'm interested. No, Dan. Was, people, people want to know the three dimensional character that is Dan Rubenstein. For me personally, the time between, I guess it was probably late September of 2001, which by the way, the fact that we're talking about September, 2001, my life infinitely better than the awfulness that happened around me sure. um, in the world. Um, but for my personal life, late September 2001 to like February-ish 2002 was like, that was the, the single darkest period. That was rock bottom for Dan. That was, that was emotional rock bottom. Okay. Well, you answer the rest of these on Facebook. Yeah. Don't forget to hit us up on the reverb line at 408 Verbal I hope those 1. those answers were okay for you. They're fantastic. Okay, good. Just making sure. They're fantastic. I'm going to poke and prod a little bit more. Now I have some stuff. By the way, I was listening to Shutdown Fullcast, which everybody should listen to as a companion show to the Solid Verbal yeah. from our friends Spencer, Ryan, and Jason. And they were using the word trill because of Kenny Trill and just because they could yeah. to, to give people names. How have we not thought of Ty Trildenbrand? Ty Trildenbrand. How have we not done that? We can go with it if you want. Ty Trildenbrand. I thought that uh, Ty Hildenbrand spelled T-H-A-I was the one that was going to stick for a while. Or it can be both T-H-A-I Trildenbrand. That's a double whammy, but sure. Yeah. 408 Verbal 1, that's the reverb line. Hit us up at solidverbal at gmail.com. Look for us on Facebook, on FanCred, and of course on Twitter. If you like what we do, head on out to iTunes and uh, give us a ranking or a review. Any help is greatly appreciated. Daniel, you stay warm. I will be in touch. Hopefully we can meet up this weekend. That'd be great. I'll see what I can do. I hope so. In the interim, <laughs> for everyone else listening at home, if you're listening in Buffalo, stay warm. If you're oh, listening please. along the eastern seaboard, stay warm. And everywhere else in between, do enjoy your college football Saturday. We'll be back on Sunday to talk a little bit more about week 13. In the meantime, for that guy over there, Mr. Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty, here in good old Eastern PA, thanks again for tuning into the show. We will catch y'all in a few short days. Stay solid. Peace.